This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to the Bottom Line, Casey Law's programme for and about business and I'm John Purcell. Thanks to John Walsh for the last two hours starting you off on this bright Saturday morning. I hope that wherever you are this morning we find you well and bearing up in these difficult times. Remember, if you're finding it difficult, you're not alone. There's lots of help out there and lots of people are finding it difficult. The KCLR website is a good place to start if you'd like to see some of the resources available. We're talking business for the next 15 minutes or so. And whether you're struggling to keep your show on the road, laid up through the necessary shutdown or worried about what the future holds... Hopefully, we'll have something that is useful to you. Last week, we had a show packed full of great information from economics to a questions and answers session on the wage subsidy scheme to pivoting businesses, and we even had room for a gremlin or two. Thanks to everyone for your kind messages and comments about the programme. This week, we'll uh, resume our conversation with Ken Byrne, who's the founder and chief executive of Red Sky, the Kilkenny-based company who are offering a one-stop shop for online retailers. And after the gremlins of last week, Week. We've rigged up two tin cans and some string to his Kilkenny City base, and we'll be talking to him about his business. We'll also talk to Colette Byrne, Chief Executive of Kilkenny County Council, about the challenges facing them in these difficult times. Joe Curran joins us to tell us about VSS, his Carlow based ventilation surveys and services company, and we'll be talking to Richard Cook, creative entrepreneur and founder of the Cat Laughs, Kilkenomics and Subtitle Festival, about how the Cat Laughs will not be taking place this June bank holiday for the first time in almost 30 years. But first, over the last few months, everybody, every business and every organisation has had to radically change how it behaves. And we're going to have to keep changing and adjusting. So we thought it'd be a good idea to speak to a specialist in behavioural science and indeed the man who is one of those advising the government during the COVID crisis. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Pete Lunn, who is the founder and head of the ESRI's Behavioural Research Unit um, and he's part of the team who are advising the National Public Health Emergency Team on the measures uh, to take in this emergency. Pete, good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Very well, thank you. Not bad. Tell us, what does a behavioural scientist actually do? Sounds great. (laughs) It's pretty straightforward, really. We study human behaviour. Um, So I have a team of about seven or eight at the SRI, and we run experiments and some surveys as well, but mostly experimental work where we do controlled studies looking at how people behave in different circumstances and trying generally to help them uh, to make better decisions and to find life easier. Yeah, and the graph must be going all over the place these days because normal behaviour has been totally disrupted. Uh, What are the trends you're seeing in the current circumstances? Uh, You're right. It's like living in a lab at the moment. Uh, It's difficult to describe trends because people behave in very different ways. So we're seeing a great variety of behavior. Um, What we do know is that the Irish population as a whole has suffered a very large well-being loss as a result of what's happened here. So as a result of these restrictions and this disease, the equivalent on our emotional well-being, how we feel throughout the day, if I were to ask you how happy are you feeling, how angry or sad or what emotions you're feeling, the equivalent um, that we have seen is about what it would be if every person in the country had been made unemployed. 
So this virus has had an extraordinary psychological impact on all of us. But of course, it's very different for different people. So for some people, they took a hit when the virus first arrived and the crisis first started, but they've adapted really well to circumstances. And we can see that in the data. So some of us are doing pretty well. We're now saying we're sort of moving back towards normal kind of levels of happiness. We found new habits, new ways of being, and we're okay with the restrictions. Obviously, we want them lifted, but we're okay with it. For others, it's much, much tougher. Uh, that's particularly people who have any kind of initial predisposition to depression or mental health problems. They're finding life much, much more difficult under these restrictions. Um, and we're looking at a situation where there's another, another big change, um, hopefully not too far away, when people can start going back to work. That's going to be a big change as well. And can we expect another kind of disruption to people's happiness, uh, well-being and even feelings of stability when they have to face going back to work, whether they're managers or workers? Yeah, so you might be surprised or not to learn. I mean, on average, work is good for us. <laughs> work generally connects us, makes us feel like we participate in society, makes us happy. Um, unemployment is something that, that really gets people down in general. And being at work has real benefits to us. It doesn't always feel that way. I think we know. But a lot of the time it does. And it's an important part of our connectedness. So how we get back to work in this crisis is going to be very important. And it's going to be particularly important because there are a lot of people and you don't hear much about them at the moment. But there's an awful lot of people who are really quite nervous about restrictions being lifted. So if you'd listen to the media, you'd think there was a great cry for the restrictions to be lifted and that everyone wants to get back out as quickly as possible. That really isn't true. Uh, there's a sort of silent majority of people who are abiding by the restrictions. They're finding it tough, but they're also very worried about what happens when the restrictions are lifted, particularly from a safety point of view and how they're going to go about their daily business safely, including work. So, Pete, we don't exactly know, and, and we don't want to be speculating about whether there's going to be a, you know, everybody rushing back to work on the 5th of May or whenever it is, but businesses need to start preparing at some stage over the coming weeks and months for things, uh, for people to start coming back. How should they do that? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Um, it's possible after the 5th of May that a small number of people will start to go back to work. I think anything more than that at this stage is quite unlikely. But I should be clear, I'm not a public health expert. I'm a behavioral scientist. And that's just me kind of reading the runes, as it were. But yes, you're absolutely right. This does mean businesses need to start to prepare. There's likely to be a gradual return, whether it's a certain number of days a week, whether it's allowing a certain proportion of the workforce into office space and other business space, depending probably how crowded it is. So one of the primary things businesses have got to do is they need to set up environments where people feel and are safe. Because from the business point of view, having infection on the premises is certainly obviously something that you desperately want to avoid, but it's also something that the staff really want to avoid. Because one of the big worries here is that people want to feel safe going back to work. So setting up an environment where people can do their work, feel comfortable and safe is going to be very important. And um, Pete, you deal quite in the nitty gritty of this. Can you tell us about some of the nitty gritty about how people need to make their employees and their customers feel safer? Yeah, certainly. So obviously, as has been repeated many times, hand hygiene is extremely important. And as a behavioral scientist, I can tell you there's strong evidence about how to improve hand hygiene in businesses. Simple things like putting big signs up above wash basins to remind people to wash their hands and for how long to do it. Also, what we call in the trade nudges, in other words, little pushes that get people to do what they should do can be really helpful. And one of the ones we know from evidence works 
is if you put a hand sanitizer station right in front of the front door, right in the main lobby of an organization, so that you cannot miss it. It's not on the wall, so you'd have to look for it. It's essentially so you'd trip over it if you didn't notice it. And you have to do these kind of things because a lot of the problem here is about breaking people's habits. It's about grabbing their attention. Habits are fantastically efficient things that free up our minds to think about what we want to think about. And in this crisis, we need to break people's habits. And one of the ways to do that is to grab their attention. So yeah, putting sanitizer stations and signs in very prominent places to remind people to wash their hands is an extremely important part of it. Pete, what about, um, uh, you know, how should people plan for the actual social distancing in work? Have you any, or will yeah. there be assistance coming down the line for that? Yeah, the, the will. So actually, the behavioural change subgroup um, is working at the moment on a package for business and has got a business survey that's about to go out into the field where we're trying to help businesses to put in place measures to assist social distancing. So hand washing, actually, there's very strong evidence. It's very clear what you can do. It's obviously more difficult when it comes to social distancing and keeping our two meter distances, which we are going to have to do for quite some period of time as these restrictions are lifted. And the reason that's more difficult is because businesses are very different. Some have more space than others. Some office spaces are more cramped. Some shops are more uh, spacious than others and so on. So there are a lot of things that can be done, but the primary thing it's going to need is planning and thought. So managers, if they want to have employees and people who visit the business, whether customers or others, they need to have laid the business out in such a way that it is clear that it is safe and that people can see how to behave safely so that they do keep their distance from each other. There are also simple things like giving workers tissues on their desk. Uh, we do know that if you do that, people are less likely to touch their face, which is an important thing. They're more likely to keep surfaces clean as well. And cleaning is going to be very important, cleaning desks and surfaces around where people work. And also markings. It turns out that these markings that we'll have seen probably in supermarkets, markings on the ground, trying to keep people two meters apart, these work in a lot of spaces. They're really good visual reminders, if you can see them on floors, helping people to keep that space that they need to keep from each other. Pete, we've very little time left, but just I wanted to ask you about um, remote working and isolation. Just uh, in 30 seconds, if you will, give us a few tips about how people can deal with that. Well, one of the important things there, remote working is working pretty well, and I think people have discovered skills at software they never knew they had and have got much better at it. But one of the things that's really important is also checking in with people. There can be a tendency to just get the meeting up and running, and we don't have our usual chats that we have, and just get it up and running and get to the business when it's a video call. One of the really important things actually is going to be for managers and business people to be checking in with each other and making sure that their staff are okay. This is a tough time, and when we reduce the video conversation, the social element of that should not be lost as well. We need, at the end of the day, as well as dealing with what is a very serious and upsetting virus, still to have a bit of crack once in a while. Okay, Pete, good to talk to you. Thanks very much uh, for that very great advice. That was Pete Lunn of the ESRI, a behavioural scientist who's advising the government on... Uh, uh, current behavioural issues in relation to all the issues we face. I'm joined on the line by a man who founded the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, Kilconomics and subtitle, Richard Cook. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Tough John. week for you. Um, first time in a long time we won't be laughing at the cat um, over the June Bank holiday weekend. Yeah, sure, and I suppose that was pretty inevitable from, from quite early on. I mean, we delayed our announcement because we'd hoped it one point that we could kind of announce a new date alongside the cancellation of our old date but that became obvious that we couldn't do that so uh yeah i mean comedy the li live events are obviously going to open up um I in a more complex way in a more difficult way i think there's probably hope for kilconomics because kilconomics is 
you know, elements of comedy in there, but I think it's possible to talk to reduced numbers in a room. Comedy, however, is more difficult because it doesn't draw on emotions, it draws on a reaction, uh, and that reaction needs a big bubble of liveness and people sitting close to each other uh, to work. Um, so uh, the comedy, the live comedy world, I, I think is going to really struggle to come back in the current environment, but obviously in time this will change too. But as things currently stand, it's, it's difficult. I mean, theatre is also going to be difficult but possible. Uh, I think other live, like gigs, music gigs, difficult but possible. I think comedy is going to be the one that's going to struggle um, in the short term, and then it'll come back with a vengeance. Richard, I know you, you're a creative and innovative person. How did you feel this week? I mean, it was inevitable and so on, but it is a blow, uh, and you've invested so much in, in the festival over the years, and it means so much to Kilkenny. Yeah, I, to be honest, John, I, I didn't feel too bad about it. I mean, there are other things to be more concerned about. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty fortunate um, in, in that, you know, I've got a garden I can go out into, you know, I've got a street that I can go out and do some exercise and, 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 and trot down within my two kilometres. You know, there are, there are, I'm well aware there are people who are finding this a lot more difficult than me. It's inconvenient for me, but it's definitely not hazardous or particularly difficult or tough. Uh, and although, obviously, I'm very proud of what Cat Laughs has done and is doing, and, and the other festivals too, uh, I, I'm aware that during this time, there are other things uh, to take and occupy the mind, uh, 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 and, and not being able to present this festival sits fairly far down the agenda for me, if I'm being honest, only in as much as I believe that it, it will come back, you know. Okay, Richard, will you stay with us on the line? We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell. It's just 19 and a half minutes after uh, 9 o'clock. Uh, we're with you until 10. Um, coming up, we'll be talking to uh, someone who specialises in the elimination of the coro coronavirus uh, from surfaces and from factories and business premises. But I'll be back to talk to Richard in just a tick. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. You're listening to The uh, Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. On the line with me is Richard Cook, founder of the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, subtitle and also Kilconomics. Um, Richard, Kilconomics, always discussing the world and the state of the world, economy, yeah. uh, political economy. Yeah. Um, you've, you've, you kind of started it off in a pretty target-rich environment. Looks <laughs> like you'll be going off in another uh, di new direction uh, this year. Yeah. What are the kind of issues from your point of view that you see well, coming it's up? it's going to be one issue. Well, we don't really know. I mean, I think the thing is that, that we, when we're coming up with subjects for Kilconomics, we tend to do it about six to eight weeks in advance of the, of the actual festival itself. An eternity. And, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's so difficult. I mean, I know that... Um, you know, obviously people are, are, their minds can't help but whir along and trying to figure out what kind of environment we're, we're going to gradually open up to and what people's attitudes are going to be. I mean, one of the interesting things for me is that it's become clear and obvious that, that you know, trendy brands like having a new iPhone or, 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 or cool shoes or, or, or trendy new bags or whatever, 
becomes utterly irrelevant in a time like this. What people need is television a lot, books, music. Um, so I think, the, you know, the, the, the actual, the, the economics of priority will be interesting. There's no doubt about it. But I suppose a lot will depend uh, on where we are along the line of finding uh, a vaccine uh, for, for coronavirus or COVID-19. And also what people don't talk so much about is, is the possibility of, of improving um, the treatment of, of people who get it. And, um, and, and, and it's going to be just such a difficult place. I mean, it's inevitable we're going to think about what the future holds for us, but also it's impossible to know where we will be along, that, um, uh, along the process of, of re-establishing what people are calling the new normal. So I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be interesting, but entirely in, <laughs> impossible to predict at the moment what kind of things will happen um, uh, for discussion and debate and argument and fury uh, in November. In as much as we'll be able to to stage kill economics, I, I, I'd hope that we would, but obviously nothing is predictable. Um, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. It seems to me that the relationship between being a citizen today is being a responsible citizen and being a happy citizen and those things are difficult i mean we can administer to a degree happiness ourselves but responsibility is something that we are being administered uh, at the moment from from the state and i think one of the difficulties as i'm looking down the tracks a little bit um is you know, unlike the Nordic or Scandic countries, where the relationship between the state and the citizen, uh, between the civil service and the politicians, is extremely strong, there's an immen- immense level of trust there. We don't have that in this country. So, it, it, you know, as this kind of wears on, um, how we handle uh, authority is going to be really interesting, and uh, hopefully, we will uh, un- uh, 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 emerge and unlock in a way which. Um, which works okay, uh, but it's also, you know, it's, 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 you know, when the money dries up, John, if it dries up, it's going to be difficult for us, and uh, I think. It will indeed, but one of the themes that runs through Kilconomics is the need for change uh, and so on, uh, and if, if the current environment has shown us anything, it is that change can happen very quickly, you know, so there yeah, are I opportunities. What, what, do you, what do you see in terms of even business, society, community, people's sense of what life is all about, really. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're hopefully, the re-emergence of curiosity, for one. And then, I suppose, I- I- in a way, I-, I think work patterns will change. And I think a lot more people, obviously, will feel comfortable working from home. Uh, I think, who knows how long a week will last. Uh, again, it depends on, on business to business. Um, you know, there'll be some business that will require very clear um, uh, structured uh, uh, work times and others that don't. But you're right. It's like we're on a massive pause and how that pause button re- is released. We don't know what the attitudes are going to be in terms of those fundamentals. But some people like habit and routine and ritual and others don't. And others who might have thought they liked that realize that they don't. The actual opportunity, I think, for a, a, a generation like mine and older to rediscover certain things that they had felt had been lost in recent times, and for a younger generation to discover uh, certain values that an, their older generation had is fascinating and good and positive. And of course, you know, the, the realization that so much can be dealt with that we keep being told can't be dealt with, like politicians and uh, tell us, in, uh, tell us uh, uh, about uh, homelessness, etc., 
these things can absolutely be dealt with. Environmental issues obviously are going to come to the fore again. Um, and I think, you know, there are obviously a lot of people feeling that this is nature's way of telling us to take uh, stock of where we are. And there's definitely, I think there's strong elements of truth uh, to the need to do that. And whether whether this has, has come about as a result of that is, is obviously arguable. But priorities, what matters in life, how we get through life, getting from A to Z, and as your guest uh, uh, from the HSC before, having a bit of crack along the way, um, obviously that's important too. I, I remember Rich Hall, who's an American comedian, a regular One comedian. One of my favorites. Yeah, he's fantastic. I remember, I think it was about 1999, he produced a small packet of fun-sized Mars bars. And he said, you know, I've always wondered what the size of fun is. And now Mars have told me and it's this size. And I, I feel from the point of view of having to, to, from where I'm coming from, as somebody who produces festivals and events, um, you know, a meter and a half and two meters uh, distance does not produce fun, sadly. So we have our work cut out uh, as to how we respond in a live context. Um, but obviously, there's a lot to play for and a lot of things. A lot of difficult things are already emerging. People being out of work, their sense of responsibility, their sense of themselves. Uh, and in that regard, what Sweden is doing, I think, quite well, is is keeping a, a society uh, together. Um, but how how it pans out for us, I simply don't know. And as somebody who might be called a cultural entrepreneur, I think part of being an innovator or an entrepreneur, if that's if that's what um, I indeed am, is just not pushing too hard to try and find stuff. Stuff will emerge that might be interesting for people and uh, in a live context, which is my particular interest. And if that does, then I suppose I'll be I'll be there trying to present it in a way which is um, engaging and entertaining uh, and useful for people which is hopefully what Kilconomics and, to a lesser extent, Subtitle and, uh, and Cat Labs has been. Okay, Richard, thank you very much. Unfortunately, we've got to uh, leave it there. Always interesting to hear the thoughts of Richard Cook. Um, Richard, of course, uh, the producer of the Cat Labs, uh, which sadly is um, not going ahead this year, but hopefully, as Richard said, uh, Kilconomics will be with us in the autumn. Um, the largest organisation perhaps in Kilkenny which is the show on the road and which impacts every family in the county is Kilkenny County Council and I'm joined on the line by Colette Byrne who's the Chief Executive of Kilkenny County Council. Good morning Colette, how is Kilkenny County Council getting on in the current crisis? We're doing okay, I suppose we're no different than any other organisation or employer, we're adjusting to changing times Um, a lot of our services, I suppose, in the interest of the, uh, adhering to the HSE guidelines, etc., um, a lot of our services now behi- are being provided behind closed doors, um, online, by phone, motor tax, planning, housing, payments, us paying people, all happening away. Um, we also have our essential services, which are operating away. Water services will be very critical in the current climate, and thankfully so far... We've had no problems, um, but our staff are out every day making sure that our water supply and our wastewater services are operating. Environment has been extremely busy. Um, Unfortunately, with more people at home, there seems to be a little bit more illegal dumping, etc., and our environment staff are out and about and certainly following up on that. 
our fire services are every bit as maybe not quite as much in demand but certainly there and on standby obviously with less traffic on the road probably less road accidents but we've had unfortunately a few house fires civil defense out and about um, and some of our services then are probably even busier than they would normally be our housing service would be extremely busy at the minute um, I suppose things like homelessness issues like that don't go away we have antisocial behaviour certainly seems to be coming to the fore a little bit maybe it's because there are more people actually at home cooped up um, more family arguments more maybe rows with neighbours etc but some services I suppose busier than normal is the only way I'd put it um, one of the things that we all know is when the snow hits or when extreme weather hits, uh, an emergency kind of community response, usually led by the county council uh, with a range of other statutory bodies, leaps into action. You've done that this time, but it's actually gone on for weeks and weeks. A huge um, uh, mobilisation and a huge kind of uh, work operating at the community uh, helpline. You know, and I suppose I'd have to say at the start, John, I suppose we're only there as the conduit for connecting people here, in my view. There is so much good work happening out at community level where communities have come together without anyone asking them. I suppose it reflects, I suppose, the Irish generosity and lots of communities getting together, doing their own thing, the GA in lots of cases. I suppose before anyone nationally kicked in with any proposal, they were already offering to do stuff locally. So where our helpline comes in, I suppose, is where if someone comes across something locally that they can't help with, like if it's a medical issue or whatever, all they have to do is ring the helpline. And then if there are individuals out there who need help other than what they can get or if they don't know someone local, who, if they don't have a neighbour, if they don't have a family member who can help them, our helpline is there. It's open seven days a week, eight in the morning until eight at night. And if we can, then we can certainly put them in touch with other organisations that can help them. But so far, I mean, anything that has come our way, we've been able to assist with. The number is fairly simple, one eight hundred five and five zeros. One eight hundred five hundred zero zero zero. Colette, and um, this is a business program. Business uh, community hugely impacted. The council through the local enterprise office, which is based in County Hall, uh, working with them. Uh, Fiona Deegan and her team pretty flat out as well. Yeah, no, and I suppose the Leo, by its nature, deals with smaller businesses, so they are flat out, as you say, they're responding to all the queries. There's been a number of initiatives announced nationally, which are being delivered through the LEOs, um, and the staff in the LEO office are certainly working flat out, providing any assistance they can um, with helping people do new cash flows, etc. Some organisations, I have to say, changing their business model and moving into different areas, reflecting the changes that we're seeing. I suppose it was interesting to see the business in Thomastown, I think it is, who got their 3D printers from the library and are making face masks and things. So it's just interesting to watch, I suppose, maybe small businesses that have a bit of agility, being able to respond and change. And I know that's not there for everyone, um, but the Leo is certainly there for any of their clients and assist in where they can. Um, I suppose the bigger concern for Kilkenny would be our reliance on tourism and hospitality. And I suppose to walk the high street and walk around Kilkenny at the moment and just hotels, restaurants, bars, no differently where else, all closed. But our reliance 
on the tourism sector, about 16% of our employment is in hospitality and tourism. Uh, Colette, is stay on the line. We'll talk to you after the break about what Kilkenny County Council, what role it'll play in that, but also the pressures um, that it is pl- facing on your own finances. Do stay with us. Uh, you're listening to The Bottom Line. It's almost 25 minutes to 10. I'm John Purcell. Lots more. Don't go away. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. I'm John Purcell, joined on the line by Colette Byrne, Chief Executive of Kilkenny County Council. Colette, we were talking before um, the break on the impact that all of this is going to have. What are you worried about the impact that will be on Kilkenny County Council? because you're funded as well um, by the business community uh, and central government, all of whom have had a hit on their incomes and indeed property tax. You know, I suppose it would be a big concern for us. We'd absolutely accept at the moment the trauma that business and individuals are suffering at the moment. I mean, we have some businesses closed completely. We have some maybe open, nearly providing a social service because they're doing less business. We have some maybe doing better than they would have done before the crisis. And we have, I suppose, others who are open and staff operating from home, etc. But the impact on us, I suppose, our biggest income source would be rates. We would collect probably in the region of about 8 million a year, 18 million, sorry, in rates every year. And with the number of businesses closed, and we're no different than anyone else, the uncertainty here, like it's very hard, I suppose, to know exactly where this is going to end up. But we would estimate that we could be down somewhere around 8 million in rates. Wow. And, car and parking would be another concern for us, smaller, obviously. But like par- car parking would bring in somewhere around 2.3 million um, a year in, in fees to us. And I suppose with so little activity happening, um, it, that would be a challenge. But the rates would be by far our biggest concern. And we know, we genuinely know there would be businesses not able to pay his rates. Um, we'll know there'll be businesses, even when they reopen, won't be doing the level of business that they were doing before the crisis. A lot, I think, will depend on co- consumer and public reaction here, how quick people feel confident to come back out and about, um, what kind of services. I mean, we know we were struggling on the high street or some businesses were struggling before the crisis. Online would be a concern. Lots of people, I suppose, have got a little bit more used to using online now during the crisis. Will they continue to do that? Will there be less people coming into the city centre in Kilkenny? Our reliance on tourism would be a concern. Like, I think we fairly clear that some of these could be nearly the last to get the chance to reopen. Mm. And I suppose the dependence on people travelling, whether that's around Ireland or international, into hotels, etc. When will that happen? How long will it take for some to get back up and running? And I suppose that's our immediate in 2020. And there'll probably be a long-term issue, as in there could be a permanent loss of rates here. Yeah. There will be some businesses who won't reopen, and there probably needs to be a conversation at national level around the whole funding of local government. Because if rates doesn't come back to where we are, how would that loss be made up? So a need for a big condition on all that, Colette. Briefly, what are the main issues that you think need to be brought into it when we're having that national conversation on the funding of local government? 
I think the big question at the moment will be what will be the government's approach to getting things going again. Like we in Kilkenny, no different than any other place, we have lots of projects, lots of schemes. We have the Abbey Quarter, we have roads projects, we have projects around the county, we have the Greenway project, all ready to go, all requiring funding. Is that funding going to be there for national level? And then will they increase the level of funding available? Because in all those grant schemes, the local authority end up matching or providing some local funding. So if we're stretched at local level to be able to provide that local funding, if we don't have rates coming in, we can't afford to borrow money maybe. So how will that gap be met? And I think we'd all want to see works getting back up and running. Like behind the scenes, while our offices might be closed, we're working away on getting projects ready to go to tender, go to planning. Like we're doing all that work in the hope that at national level that funding will be there and it'll allow us to get back out, get back up and running fairly quickly and that we'll get people back into employment fairly quickly. Uh, finally, Kalef, what message would you give to the business community, manage, many of whom will be listening this morning? Well, I know in our case, while we're providing services at the moment, I mean, I, we don't know any more than what's happening at national level. We're all waiting for, I suppose, the roadmap to come next week or the 5th of May, to give us some sense of what we're doing. But I think the one thing we can be fairly sure of, it won't be business as usual. I think social distancing is going to be with us. I know in our case we're starting to look at how when our offices start reopening, do we actually accommodate the social distancing? How are we going to get staff back into our offices? Are we going to have to open our offices longer? Are we going to have to continue with the rostering we have? For staff who are interacting with the public, are we all going to be wearing face masks? Our outdoor staff, when they go back out onto jobs, like we're watching it, we have three um, building sites opening, Kilkenny or reopening, and I suppose there's fairly stringent requirements there on social distancing. So I think everyone needs to start thinking about what are the requirements going to be when it comes to social distancing. Um, And I suppose there's even practical things like if you take our city centre in Kilkenny, our footpaths are very narrow. When people do start coming back out and are required to social distance, do we have to start looking now at how do we accommodate people? We want, we'll want people to come back in. We probably, I think you had Richard on earlier about festivals. I mean, chances of being able to use festivals as in to draw big numbers in are slim now. So we're going to have to have a look at other ways to bring people back out, bring them back into the city centre um, and get people moving again. And we might have to look at some temporary works um, in the city centre to accommodate people that they will be able to social distance and that they'll feel comfortable because I think an awful lot here will depend on people's confidence. Thank you for that, Colette. That's Colette Byrne, Chief Executive of Kilkenny County Council, joining us there on the phone. Um, I'm joined also on the line by Ken Byrne of Red Sky Europe. Good morning, Ken. We were having a bit of... I remember you saying last week... Um, so apologies uh, for that. But uh, your company barely set up uh, two years. You've been quite busy, and I suppose to use a common term at the moment, you've pivoted a bit, and you're uh, continuing to fulfil your normal uh, work providing services to internet-based companies, but you're you're setting up new stuff with local companies and companies further afield who are turning to the internet. Tell us about that. Good morning, John. How are you? Good, thanks. 
Yeah, so um, so we we provide e-commerce fulfilment to online retailers. So um, uh, typically, our clients would send us in their stock. We can link in with their their website platforms and take their online orders, uh, process them, and deliver them out to customers. So as you said, um, predominantly our our target market would have been North America, but with what's happening here, we've an increasing number of Irish companies who are turning to online, coming to us, looking for um, uh, help and assistance with the management of orders that they're receiving online. A lot of companies have a very simplistic and kind of naive version of online business, which is you set up a website, people can order from you, and Bob's your uncle. But there's nuts and bolts, like you have to have this stock available, the orders, if you're exporting abroad, VAT has to be uh, taken into account, customs will be looming on the on the agenda, freight is a very complex thing. What role does your company play in all that? Well, for international companies, we, we provide all the services you've spoke about there. So we would see ourselves as a market access specialist. So we can uh, we have free partners. We can take stocks from anywhere in the world and get it into us here. Uh, we can manage VAT right across Europe for, for international online retailers. And then, of course, we, we provide the storage um, of inventory, inventory management, and then the delivery of online orders. Yeah, I mentioned at the start, your company, um, not even two years uh, in business, you won an award at uh, Kenny Chamber Business Awards uh, not too long ago. Um, how was business going before all this uh, COVID stuff came along? Well, we were really building up our business. We have a couple of partnerships in the States with um, US fulfillment companies who were using us as their European partner for existing clients. So uh, I suppose for us, like a lot of businesses, changed somewhat in that it's probably slowed down a little bit as the Americans like us here are getting on top of the, the crisis in their own country. Um, but we do now have um, a, a lot of international companies from America and Canada and even Australia that are looking at de-risking by coming into Europe and kind of uh, spreading their net a little bit wider instead of just focusing on their home market. Um, and tell us about the service you're providing to local companies and how you can help people who, who primarily would have been maybe dealing with person to person but now are having to go online. How can you help those companies? Yeah, so um, Kells Whole Meal would be an, an example. Um, they came to us a, a number of weeks ago. So as you can imagine, Kells retail business was severely affected with the COVID-19 um, but their online sales grew dramatically, um, so they came for us to, to see about working together in processing their online orders, as there's so many people baking at home now um, and ordering their, their flour and baking goods online. So we now manage all of their stock and their online orders, um, so we can handle uh, high volumes of orders. Uh, it, it's the way we're structured. So a thousand orders a day to us um, isn't an issue, um, and 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 Kells can go back to making their, their their range of products and and ultimately making sure that their customers are serviced in in, in a great manner. Is it a long process to make the leap uh, from person to person to selling online, and how do you help? And and what should people do? Someone goes, yeah, geez, like the sound of that. Just give you a ring. Yes, well, with us, it's a matter of get, giving us a ring. We, we've kind of we've simplified the manner for Irish companies. So really, for us, it's a matter of getting their inventory into our facilities in Parcels Inch here in Kilkenny, 
Um, we have onboarding specialists that link in with any their website or any platforms to sell in. So again, we'll do all of that and their orders will automatically come into us. We process them and send them out to their customers and we give them access to our systems as well where they can see their online orders, they can see their inventory. So we just manage all of the all of the, the orders, the order processing and it's a fully automated process for them. And how long would that transition take typically, Ken? Um, well, uh, probably a day or two we can get linked in with any of their, their, their websites or selling marketplaces that they're selling on. And it's a matter of just getting the inventory in to us. We process the inventory. We barcode it if need be. We have, we have uh, facilities to do that, get it up in our system, and we're ready to go then. We can do it very, very quickly. Well, there you have it. That's Ken Byrne from Red Sky Europe, a Kilkenny-based company who can help you get your uh, business selling online very quickly, as he said. Thanks for joining us, Ken, on the programme this morning. Coming up, we're going to talk to a man who a couple of weeks ago thought he'd be closing his company, but actually he's turned the corner and he's on the way back. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. Now, I spoke before the break about uh, a man who a couple of weeks ago thought he'd be turning the lights out in his business, but now is actually pivoting like the buzzword of many companies and is actually adapting to current circumstances and is quite optimistic about the future. Joe Kern is a director of VSS, a Carlo-based company, and he joins me on the line. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, John. How are you? Tell us first, before we talk about COVID and its part in your current business life, tell us about VSS. Uh, VSS um, started up six years ago. Um, our main core business was abstract cleaning and general ventilation cleaning of um, office blocks, hospitals, this kind of uh, industry we were very, very busy in. Um, yeah, and, and I suppose from there, John, we've seen a massive decline in particularly the kitchen extract which would have been a you know a huge part of the business. And how many people were you employing, Joe? Um, up to three, four weeks ago, we had an overall business size of 38 people. And how did it start um, manifesting? Was it very sudden, uh, the decline in, in, in business, or was it gradual since the start of the year? It was very, very, uh, very sudden. Um, we had been reassured from some of the larger hotel chains that the services would still continue. Uh, that's been no change, um, that we were deemed as essential to their part of the business. Um, but all of a sudden, it was like a, a light switch. Um, we started getting emails and calls saying, unfortunately, all the works are going to be postponed for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, we often hear about the loneliness of running a business. Tell us a bit about how you felt going through that process, seeing order after order be cancelled and having to, I suppose, have difficult decisions with your staff. Yeah, it was a extremely tough time. I remember it was, it was basically um, a Friday, probably about three weeks ago, we had been trying to keep as much staff going as we could. Um, we asked some individuals, you know, who would have the preference of um, taking the you know the 350 euros from the government and who would like to try and stay working with us through, through these times um, certain amount of guys were happy to because of their own uh, circumstances 
they might have had elderly people living with them and they didn't want to potentially um you know contain or get the virus and pass it on so uh some people like that and then others were willing to stay working with us but unfortunately it was about three or four days later when we said right unfortunately we were going to have to reduce it dramatically Okay, and tell us about foggers and their part in maybe you turning a more positive corner in the face of the coronavirus. Yeah, I suppose about two weeks before um, the massive decline for us, we had been looking at certain foggers because we had already been doing disinfecting ductwork um, for the likes of hospitals, nursing homes, offices. Um, it wasn't a massive part of our business, but what we would do is we'd clean out the ductwork initially and then we would sanitize it using the um, foggers. So we always had foggers with us and we always had our staff um, specifically trained up for the use of the foggers. But we said to ourselves, there could potentially be a market here for um, disinfecting work areas, general work areas, not just above the ceiling, but um, you know, direct touch points, um, computer desks, laptops, you know, anything there that's in your kind of office and workspaces. And what does it actually uh, then, Joe? Does it just come in and create a fog of disinfectant? Um, pretty much, yeah. Uh, the, the, no, you have different types of fogs. You can buy any kind of type of fogger on, online, but what you need to make sure is you do is you invest in the correct fogger, and what that is is it's one that decreases the droplet sizes of the disinfectant so that within about 10 minutes it evaporates from the surface, instead of drowning it and leaving it wet. That means then you can you can fog on the likes of light switches, key computer keyboards, um, backs of computers. There's there's no issue whatsoever. And so do you just come in, clear out a premises and let loose a fog of decontaminant and job done? There's different ways of fogging. You can come in and you can you can actually like use it like almost a bomb effect, which we don't use because then you have issues with fire alarms, smoke heads, etc. So we, we go down the route of doing direct fogging, which is an awful lot quicker, and it also means the space can be can be um, utilised again so the staff members can come back in after about 45 minutes to an hour. And you've got uh, some quite big clients, but also available to smaller businesses, hairdressers, nail bars. They won't be opening up for quite a while, but, you know, no. presumably you can do shops, you can do offices... Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing it's like the likes of the Charlestown Shopping Centre, which is great. It's a local guy here, uh, Dan from Carlo. He's given us quite a bit of work up there. Um, we, we've turned out uh, some hairdressers have been, you know, taking a precautionary route on us. They want to disinfect it before they do open up. Um, we've done large bottling factories. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a wide range hospitals, nursing homes. We've been extremely busy. And it's um, going well for you. It is, thanks be to God, John. It's um, really, it's really kind of put us out of where I thought we were going a few weeks ago. It's, it's gone the opposite direction altogether. And tell us, Joe, if people want to make touch uh, contact with you to get a bit of uh, disinfectant fogging done, but seriously yeah. to help make safe the workplace, how do they do that? Uh, the best route of all is, is to go onto our website, which is www.breed, which is spelled B-R-E-A-T-H-E, V-S-S, dot ie um, or if you google ventilation surveys and services Ireland um, you'll have all the information up there to contact us ok well thank you very much that's Joe Curran who's director of VSS a company who are successfully turning the corner uh, through the aha moment of realising 
the crucial role that foggers can play in dealing with the coronavirus. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. I'd like to thank all our guests on the programme, uh, Pete Lunn of the ESRI, Richard Cook, Colette Byrne, Ken Byrne and Joe uh, Curran of VSS who you just heard there. Thank you for listening uh, please stay tuned. Edward Hayden just up in a couple of minutes uh, stay tuned to KCLR for news, communication, information and entertainment and we'll try and keep you company and companionship during these difficult times. You can listen back to the podcast on uh any of the podcast programs uh, platforms do just look for the bottom line kclr if you don't already follow uh, kclr across facebook twitter and instagram look us up and give us a follow check us out on kclr96fm.com loads of information goodbye until next week i'm john purcell thank you for listening thanks to deirdre drummy who produced and john walsh who was my technical garden uh, guardian angel this morning in the studio. Have a good weekend. KCLR's Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie